I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Episode 44. And we like to score. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Have you ever watched Grease 2? Yeah. Because that we're going to score tonight. Oh, I didn't remember that. I just remember he's a ghost writer. A uh, cool writer, but Same okay. Thing. <laughs> I mean, it's a okay. paranormal podcast, right? Nicholas Cage, like, <laughs> what? <laughs> imagine that Carrie Car- got it wrong. Imagine that Carrie didn't know words to a song. Why did I refer to myself in third person? You know why? Because I've been around my nephews. Uh, <laughs> they do that. Yes, it's like the new cool thing to do. I don't understand it. Both of the ones well, in high school. Well, it's not school. cool, but okay. No, it's stupid. But both <laughs> of the ones in high school do it. And I'm like, stop. Yeah, no. Stop referring. Carrie likes da 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 That's dumb. Don't. <laughs> no. And every time they do it, I look at them and I go, that's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I mean, tough love. Stop that. Hey, that reminds me, though, there's this show coming on A&E. And it is about a lady who has multiple personalities. <gasps> And it's like the mini blah, blah, blah of Jane. I can't remember. So, sorry, y'all. I don't know. But oh, my God. That's going to be good. Because I watched 60 Days In. and it, Is that back on? Uh-huh. No I told thing. you. I told I everybody. But it it was like, she is like a 13-year-old girl. She, but she's really like 30. Yeah. And so, and I was like, oh, shit. What? And she's like, I don't want to get rid of these personalities. I just want them to work better. Like, one of her personalities got a tattoo. Oh, no. Yes. So it looks good. I'll have to figure it out and I'll put it on social or something. Okay. Oh, guess what? What? We got a new Creepinati member. Yay. Who? Who? Who's that guy? That's uh, also from. Oh, it sure is from mm-hmm. uh, Grease 2. Yep. Anyway, it's not a guy, but <laughs> it's Lexi in from Fort Worth, Texas. We see you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Welcome to the Creepinati. Welcome, 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 welcome. I tried my hand at, look, I'm trying this whole cooking business because, well, I hate cooking, but I'm also tired of spending bukus of fucking money going out to (laughs) eat. So I'm trying to cook more. And I found a a beef stroganoff recipe on Pinterest that was super easy. And super fucking good. Yeah, it was really good. So we had that. Carbs. Lots of carbs. Lots of carbs. And I was like, do you have any crackers? And I said, what would go better with pasta? Oh, more carbs. <laughs> okay. Speaking of everything good, let's Let get into guess. your story. Oh, I thought you were going to have a podcast recommendation. No, I'm still stuck on my cold, my broken heart, and... Oh, I did. I am listening to Barefoot. Uh, Bearbrook. That. And it's good. Yay, I'm glad you like it. Tally for Donna. (laughs) Y'all, we're going to make that a shirt. Not Tally for Carrie, because let's just be honest, (laughs) I win. (laughs) No, you don't. (laughs) Tally for Donna. (laughs) Dun, dun, dun. Okay, so for this story, we're going to hop on a plane. Okay. Cross the pond. And we're going to talk about the serial killer. Jack the Ripper. Stephen Sean Griffiths. SSG. Okay. Okay, so he was born December 24th, 1969. That sucks. Probably got really shitty birthday gifts. They were all Christmas gifts. Oh, yeah. I, sorry, when was it? Cause December 24th. Okay, because I was just thinking 69. 
Okay, that so that's I was like, oh yeah, that sucks. What? Wait, when was his birthday? <laughs> January fourteenth. <laughs> I really thought it was January. Oh my god! Right now it is not. <laughs> well, okay. my brother's is January the first, and he mm-hmm. always got shitty gifts too. Because hello, you go, you uh, blow your load at Christmas, and then <laughs> you're like, oh, here's what was left. Especially grown up poor because your parents did all they could to get you the Christmas gifts, and it was like. Mm, sorry. <laughs> New Year, who does? <laughs> New Year, um, we're transferring funds so that we can <laughs> yeah. pay that credit card off. Transfer and balance. Right. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, he was the firstborn of his parents, Stephen and Moira. His dad was a frozen food salesman, and it said that his mom was like a pretty big con artist. Like she later was convicted of fraud. Fuck. Mm-hmm. So they got his parents got divorced when he was thirteen, but when they got divorced, he and his siblings had to go live with his mom. So she has she's this con woman that has I mean she ends up getting locked up for fraud. She has a criminal history even at the time, and it's like he still doesn't go with his dad. He goes with her. Yeah. When he was growing up, this is so fucking weird. He would be hanging out his mom and. Her, like, different boyfriends and stuff would be hanging out in the garden, having sex, and he just liked to watch. His mother have sex with different men. What the fuck? I get voyeurism. (laughs) I mean, I get it. But your mom? How old was he? I don't know. I mean, he probably positioned himself where he didn't see her face. Oh, my God. That's still your mother. I mean, it's gross, but... Did you watch your mother have sex? I mean, I walked in on him, and I was blind. Did you? Yes! And she was on top, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Good for you, Patty Joe. <laughs> she was like, Donnelly, <laughs> close that door. I mean, how was I supposed to know when no one answered and I went through? <laughs> they had like, they how had, old were you? Uh, middle school. What? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, I swear to God, I've never heard this story in my life. Um, pause for the podcast for <laughs> me to hear this story and tell it. <laughs> how have I never Heard this yes. story. I like knocked on the door because this is the old house. You yeah. Know? Not, didn't hear anything. Well, why didn't they say, hang on? I, they probably did it. I just didn't. Or. And so normally they would lock the door or whatever. And I guess this time they didn't. But I want to say they had a chain on their door. And so they had locked that maybe and not. The, and I like pushed <laughs> <laughs> What y'all can't see is she's, like, peeping around. Like, she's trying to look in the little hole. Like, what y'all doing in there? Yeah, I mean, I need my mama. <laughs> Why um, can't I get in? Uh, hello. Yeah. Why's my daddy hurt my mama? <laughs> no, she was hurting him, folks. <laughs> I was like, okay, sorry, bye. Did you know that's what they were doing? Well, hells, yeah. Y'all, I grew up knowing what a dildo was because my true, parents true, true. had it. My mom and my sister had, like, a store that... Jill of all trades, they did gag gifts. Like, they were the first people that ever had those stink bombs in. And, like, the police would have to come and be like, did you sell so-and-so a stink bomb? (laughs) They let it go in the middle school gymnasium. (laughs) Like Really? Yes. How have I never heard these stories? Yes. And so they did woodwork. So, like, half of it was, like, DIY crafts. All this, and then they had lattice work that said 18 years or older behind here, and it was like where it would have like 
cigarette lighters that if you like rubbed it, you could see their boobs and yeah. shit, you know? And I'd be like, ooh, <laughs> let me see. 18 years or older and three year old Donna. Yes. And so, like, they had so, and it wasn't like functioning dildos. Like, it was like gag dildos. Yeah. <laughs> well, could be that. <laughs> Yeah, so it was like gag gifts, stuff yeah. like edible panties. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. But so, like, I grew I mean, up. Speak for yourself. Gag gift of that. <laughs> but so I grew up with that. So, yeah, I knew. I truly have no idea when my parents ever had sex. Oh, my God. And also, I walked in on Barbara and Kenneth, my brother and oh. sister in law, having sex one time. And, okay, so I had, back in the day, there were. This went skirt to tangent time. We haven't had a really good tangent time. Here it is. <laughs> Donna's sex education. <laughs> so back in the day, we had commercials that would have like oldie songs uh-huh. that were sold in like the volumes yeah. or whatever. And not talking about jock jams, talking about, yes, you know, the old things. Well, there was this song and it got in my head and I was like... I'm going to bust in because, like, Kenneth, his room, like, they lived with us. But his room was also where Chucky was in that little (laughs) thing before. So it was like a little, like, like a little cove that you had to go through to get to his room. Well, I busted in. Like, it was, like, at night. So whatever. You know, probably fucking two in the morning because when do those stupid infomercials come on? But I, like, busted in. And I was like, wait a minute, Mr. Postman. And it's black. And all I see is Barbara's cigarette. Like the no! <laughs> Yes. And she was like, Donna, get out of here. <laughs> I was like, uh, return to send <laughs> oh my god so they weren't having sex no they had like the after sex (laughs) oh god that tells you how long ago it was too because she was smoking inside golly oh my god y'all okay every time you say this is really weird. I'm like, <laughs> you do. You really do. Like, every time. Yeah, no, I can kind of see that. Well, that's really weird. I mean, I get that it's weird, but he's a, if he's a teenage guy, I mean, he might not be able to, like, you know, at this point, he probably didn't have the fucking internet. So he was like, okay, put my thumb over her face, close that's one eye. That's still weird. And be like, okay. no, I, it's his mom. Like, it's, uh uh-uh. I mean, it's, it is weird, but I'm just saying. Anyway, okay. It's odd. So, Stephen was also a bit of a thief. When he was a teenager, he would, like, go around shoplifting stuff. One time, he's at this, I'm picturing a gas station, but I don't know where it was. And so, he's about to to steal some stuff, and the clerk that was working there tried to stop him. And so, he sliced his face, the clerk's <gasps> face, with a knife. Fuck! Yeah, and so, because of this, he got arrested and he was sentenced to three years in youth custody. Shit. Yes. He was 17 at the time. So when he was in, like, youth prison, basically, he lost all contact with his family. 
he told his psychiatrist and his probation officer, because he was released after like a year, that he fantasized about being a serial killer. Mm. And they said, oh, he... Uh, Early release. Yeah. One year of three. Uh. <laughs> I mean, if he, if he wouldn't have said he wanted to be a serial killer, I mean, we would have kept him six months. Right. So anyway. No, if he would have said not said that, it would have been like on Shawshank Redemption. Exactly. Where he's like, no, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. And they're like, deny, deny, deny. Then he's like, fuck it, I don't care. And they're like, but he needs to go back into uh-huh. society. It's a society. It's a society. <laughs> the whoa, 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 water boy. <laughs> Needle dick. <laughs> when he got released after just a year, he ended up, he got an apartment or a flat in Manningham, and he enrolled in a psychology program at Bradford College, like as a student. Yeah. Not as a subject. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, both, but... Mm-hmm. In 1989, he got 100 hours of community service because they found an air pistol on him. Because remember, he's, like, still on probation and shit. What's an air pistol? So, an air pistol's used to, like, to like shoot birds and stuff. Oh. And so, he would shoot the birds, and then he would dissect them. Ew. Which, again, I feel like in a learning environment... Okay. Like, I mean, I've dissected animals. Like, I'm not, I mean, I know that some people don't agree with it and all that, but I, you know, for me and in my learning Mm -hmm. as a student, we've used animals. But I mean, like, he's just like shooting shit to shoot shit. You know what I mean? So anyway. Well, I mean, he's doing a learning thing uh, by himself. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, but he's not. No, I know. So then the next year he got arrested again and he was sentenced to two years in prison because... He was holding a knife to a girl's throat. Just randomly? I I don't really know the details around it. I don't I don't know if he was like trying to scare her, trying yeah. to assault her. I don't know. He loves a fucking knife. I don't know. But like everything has been with the knife. Except for the air gun. Yeah. Well, but then he dissected. But he them. dissected, yeah. Tally for Donna. <laughs> okay. So after his release, he started collecting a lot of books about serial killers. To, to study them, which I feel like, I mean, I have an encyclopedia of serial killers, so yeah, that's not that odd. I mean, but also, you didn't tell people, they, I want to be a serial killer, and let me actually... You don't know what I told my probation officer. True. <laughs> True. <laughs> so anyway, he was obsessed with Jack the Ripper. Hey! Mm-hmm. The Moore's murderers. The oh. acid bath murderers. Is that your guy that you uh-huh. did? Yeah, and his favorite was the Yorkshire Ripper, which I'm going to have to do. Add to the list. So, now we're going to jump ahead a little bit to 1998. So, of course, like all fuckers, he had a girlfriend. <laughs> of course. A couple. And so, he was a total asshole. I mean, Avi, we're talking about him on the podcast, so. Right. Of course, he's an asshole, but... He was very abusive towards girlfriends. Ugh. He, okay, so he dated this one woman, and when she broke up with him, he flipped his lid. He was harassing her for years. Years? Uh-huh. And she ended up being pregnant with his child. Oh, fuck. But she ended up, but she miscarried. But even when she was pregnant, and he knew she was pregnant with his kid, he did not stop stalking and harassing her. Wow. 
Several women said how he was physically abusive towards them. Some stuff said that he would cut them with glass. I'm surprised it's not a fucking knife. Mm -hmm. And then pour boiling water over their heads. What? He broke what? I, I know. He broke one girl's nose and hit one so hard it knocked her unconscious. The fuck? I just can't get over the bull and water thing, though. I also can't get over the fact that the first time I said boiling. I know. That's, when have you ever heard me say that? I know. <laughs> I always say boiling. I know. <laughs> okay. Anyway, he also had this, he had a girlfriend that he had, it was for like two years that they were together. But that whole time they were together, she had never been to his apartment. And she also, I know, the red flag. Mm -hmm. She also never said whether or not he was abusive to her. But she did say that when she finally did go to his apartment, that it scared her so much that she broke up with him. Oh, my God. I know that, I will say, one article thing said that all of the surfaces in his apartment were covered with plastic. And so that's why she left. Uh, <laughs> and she's like, uh, skirt. Yeah, Dexter. Yeah. And then, but another thing said that because he had a lot of disturbing videos, hundreds of true crime books. Not that weird. I mean, um, let's just be honest here. He's an avid reader. <laughs> um, a samurai sword. Still, I mean, people have those. And a crossbow that was like leaning up against his television set. So like... His crossbow was, like, out. Like, not just like, oh, look at that hanging up on my wall. I might take that out to go hunting deer. You know, it's like leaning on his television. Yeah. Well, and Marie Kondo comes out in me, and I'm like, put that shit up. I I mean, mean, what is it? You should only have 31 books? (laughs) Right. But also, I mean, the crossbow, it has a home. Put it there. Maybe in front of the TV is its home. Um, But it's not. You don't know his life. I'm saying Marie Kondo, okay? I know. I'm You're obsessed. Right. <laughs> you are. I mean, cult of Kondo. I'm there. She said she would never join a cult. I, Why'd I say that so weird? I don't know. Join a cult. You, are, you said boiling, you said hunting, and now you said cult. <laughs> what? Who am I? Canadian possessed me. <laughs> Changeling. <laughs> okay. In 2001... He started to, like, drink really heavily, dabble in some drugs. He bought two lizards and would take them for walks on dog leashes. Okay, um, how big were these lizards? I mean, I'm picturing, like, iguanas. Oh, okay. No, I was picturing fucking lizards, and I'm like, what dog leash fits around their fucking neck? Imagine that. I'm so fucking literal. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so... Also, though... How do you get them to walk? I can't even get my ass to walk, much less a fucking lizard. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Sorry. About the walking lizards. That reminds me, something else my parents had, well, my mom had, was a dog leash that was like an invisible dog. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Uh-huh. I used to, like, I, you know, had one from the store, and I thought it was so fucking funny. I'm like, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Like, who? But it was like hard, fucking, right? Yes. Like, it like, was like. Yes. Mm-hmm. Who, like, why can't I think of this? Some person said, you know what? I'm going to make a leash that literally is just stands like, up. S- like, Scotch Garden. Yes. You know? And people are going to buy it. And they're going 
just say they have an invisible dog. And he's a fucking probably multimillionaire. Uh-huh. Like, who, like, if someone said that, I'd be like, you're so, like, no. You're going to waste your time on a fucking patent. Meanwhile, I had, like, four. Uh-huh. I didn't. Because, again, you got the most <laughs> random shit as a kid. I mean, my parents had wholesale, okay? Okay, so back to uh, my guy and his lizards. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. Okay, so he had a friend named Billy, and he, Billy said that one time he saw old Stephen Griffiths eating... A lizard? A live baby rat. Ew! <laughs> <laughs> Live baby rat? Mm-hmm. How do you... Oh, oh, okay. I don't... Don't ask. Pass do that. not pass ask. that. Moving along. Okay. Also, he... So, he decided... You know how I told you he was working on his psychology degree, mm-hmm. his bachelor's? Well, he got it. Okay. And good. then... Good for him. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. So, then he enrolled in University of Bradford to get his PhD. Okay. So, he's unemployed. He's working on school stuff. Been there. But his favorite pastime now, because we're like, you know, we're we're hitting early 2000s. This is like 2003. He got his bachelor's. So, you know, we're kind of starting to get into okay, the, the, okay. the now times. So he loved being on the internet. Oh, as one does. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And he loved violent porn. Oh, God, as one does. He also... <laughs> Gotta watch that, though. That shit will put a malware on your phone in a heartbeat. <laughs> Shit. He also had a MySpace account. As one does. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I wonder what kind of music he had playing on his Oh, MySpace my gosh. Right. You know I never had a MySpace, though. Really? Mm-mm. I never, I didn't, I didn't understand it. <laughs> Imagine that. But I wasn't like a, I've never been like a blogger. Like, I don't understand blogs. Yeah. Like I used to have a live journal. I know you did. You're such a blogger. You love blogs. <laughs> you like to do it. You like to read them. You like to yes. do all of the things. And I just don't, but you know why? Because I don't care. <laughs> That's true. Give me the Cliff Notes version. Don't make me read it. Actually, you don't want any of that. You want Candy Crush. Uh-huh. And Toy Blast. Uh-huh. Let me just say. And I'm on this new game. The What's Dot Game? Uh-huh. It's called Dots, I think. Or Two Dots or something. <laughs> so, he's eating live rats. He's on MySpace. He's downloading porn. On MySpace, though, his, like, a lot of his quotes and stuff would be from... Serial killers, mm-hmm. but like the like the fake one from Red Dragon and stuff. Mm. You know, like just yeah. fucking poser. That's what that is. His username on MySpace was Vin Pariah, which is like a figure from demonology. Okay, that would be lost on me. <laughs> be like, oh, I know. I'd be like Vin right? Diagram. What? <laughs> 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 oh, shit. Okay, so I want to change gears a little bit. Oh, shit. What do you think Tom's picture from 10 years ago to now looks like from my space? Damn. <laughs> oh, my God. I just thought about well, that. Well, it wouldn't exist because I think it's been more than 10 years that my space has been around, huh? Well, you know. I mean, no, like I know, no, first, no, I know, no, no, no. Whatever. But that, like, his picture is iconic. Uh-huh. Although I don't know if I could pick it up out of a lot. What? I didn't have it. It doesn't matter. What was his name? Tom. He's in a white shirt, and he's like, <laughs> like with a whiteboard behind him or some shit. Watch it. Now. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> See, he's like. 
Oh, shit. Meanwhile, I, this could be like, this is why I could be a crazy conspiracy theorist because I'm like, I wonder what the words behind them mean. <laughs> Beach, South, Pasadena, LAX. Oh. Okay. I want to give credit where credit's due for this next little side uh-huh. thing. <laughs> um, it's from The Guardian and it's written by Kathy Scott Clark. And Adrian Levy, and I just want to say, like, I, this next little thing, I just love the way it was written. Okay. Um, and so we're, I'm going to get, I got a lot of information about, this was written back in 2011, but it gave a good kind of description of the climate. Okay. In Britain at the time, and that, and just kind of how it led to the things that took place in this case. Okay. And so, and I think it's really cool, too, because they, it's interviewing two women who are sex workers and just kind of, again, what the climate was. And anyway, it's just, it was really good. Also got it on Murderpedia. Around 2005-ish is when the West Yorkshire police, they start, or not really, well, I guess the, anyway, they had this new CCTV, it's like surveillance system for the city. It was called Venom. And it had like surveillances of the street it had plate recognition and there was like more than 100 cameras throughout the city all the, i mean like this is amazing great i'm all about like i ain't got nothing to hide i mean i may gotta pull out a wedgie but i ain't got nothing <laughs> to hide right so but what it did was it created like blind spots in the city where Ooh. yeah so sex workers who had previously been out on the streets where they were seen, you know, in like these kind of red light districts right. type things. They were pushed to more like industrial secluded areas that just was kind of like a breeding ground for violence and even yeah. more so than before because they were pushed out into these outskirts of these industrialized or these industrial areas, you know. Yeah, I never even thought about that. Me neither. Me neither. Because one thing I read, and y'all correct me if I'm wrong, but one thing it talked about was while prostitution isn't a crime in England, like working for like a brothel is. Okay. And so it creates this like, it's cool if you want to be a sex worker on the street, but you're on your own kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And so it takes away like the safeguards of, I mean, I'm all about, to. I mean, tangent, I'm all about legalizing it. Oh, for sure. Legalize it, tax the fucking shit out of it. Mm-hmm. Make it safe. Make it safe. Make them take, you know, STI tests every fucking week. Yeah. Make them use protection. You know, I mean, look, you take the black market component out of it. Yeah. And half this shit goes away because, anyway, so that's my little side soapbox. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. So the women are... On the, well, and I'm sure men too. I hate to just say women. People who are sex workers are go into these more kind of desolate areas. They're on their own, and so it's more it's more dangerous for them. Mm-hmm. Around that time too is I guess I don't have to do the story on this guy because I'm going to kind of talk about it here. The Yorkshire Ripper that mm-hmm. I talked about. So he was. He ended up being convicted for killing, like, I think 13 sex workers. Fuck. Uh-huh. And injuring many more. And so... Oh, that's so sad. Spoiler alert. Guess I won't do him. <laughs> but, <laughs> but Stephen Griffiths idolized him. 
And that was one of the people that he yeah. had the books on, that he loved, that he, you know, was, like, obsessed with. So there had been a lot of bad pub- publicity because of how the how that case was handled with okay. the Yorkshire Ripper. And so there was a little more push to, like, really use the CCTV and really, like, solve these crimes against sex workers. So Stephen Griffiths had, his apartment was like a converted Victorian textile factory. That sounds fucking awesome. Yeah, but it was, it was, what well, was on Thornton Road, which is. Bad? A, well, it's in that, like, it's in that area. Okay. That area of the, like, industrial. Yeah. Wastelands, really. Like, one thing calls it, like, semi-industrial wastelands. Like, mm, it's just. Yeah. This kind of, you know, you can picture it. Yeah. And so he was well-known with the sex workers in the area. I mean, he lived there for like 15 years. There was another, at the time, a killer named Kenneth Valentine who moved to Soho Mills, which was a converted factory on the same road. Oh, shit. And he rented his bedroom out to sex workers and... Like an extra bedroom out? I don't know if it was like his or an extra, but he would rent it out. And those sex workers would have sex for five pounds a session. That's it. And he would watch through a drilled hole in the wall until oh one mm-hmm. porkies. Until one night in nineteen ninety six, he raped and killed Caroline <gasps> Crevy, a twenty five year old sex worker who rejected his advances. Oh my gosh! And so, like, there was just like a lot again happening. Yeah, I, I tell you all that because like. The Stutcliffe, he's the guy who was the Yorkshire Ripper. Okay. It, again, it was kind of the same area. It was all sex workers who had no pimp, mm-hmm. which is a good thing and a bad thing, Avi, because they didn't have the protection. But right, they were also whatever. But anyway, so one of the sex workers that they interviewed in this article, her name was Donna. Hey. And she talked about, so in April 2001, there was a sex worker, 19-year-old Becky Hall. She up and vanished and was found 13 days later naked and bludgeoned to death. Oh, fuck. She was found, like, behind this low wall on Thornton Street. Like, her clothes were found scattered all around her and used condoms. And Donna was working nearby where she was found. And she said... Donna, this is a quote from Donna. We heard Becky drowned in her own blood, and we continued to work a few paces away. Fuck. Holy shit. So, it, she was. She also said that, like, it was just getting to where that was so commonplace that these, yeah. these sex workers were in such danger all the time. It was just getting, it was the norm now. Mm-hmm. But they say that, like, Stephen Griffiths would cook some of the, like, the sex workers, he would cook some of them meals, let them wash clothes there, let them sleep on his sofa if they had nowhere to go. That, I mean, he was like a brother to some of them. Mm-hmm. But they still, like, some of the girls took advantage of him. They would rob him when he said he would, like, go score for him and stuff. Because oh all gosh. these, not all of them, I can't say all of them, but a lot of the sex workers had heroin or crack addictions. Mm. So, I just think, too, that this article was so good because it talked about just the things that some of these women, again, this I know that there are men sex workers, but in this article it was focused on women. But it just focused on, like, 
it was 2008. She was really starting to have a hard time because she she's working. And a car stopped up to negotiate a rate with her. And she didn't know it, but three other people were hiding behind the back seats. They gang raped her and robbed her, smashed her over the head with a beer bottle, and then threw her out of the speeding car. Holy fuck. So she took a break from the streets and just started, like, shoplifting to get her drugs. In June 2009, though, a girl by the name of Susie Rushworth vanishes. Donna had kind of come back in the game after she had been assaulted and all, and but she had decided to kind of stay away from right, right in that area because she knew, like, all these people were starting to disappear and all. Mm-hmm. But then she heard, like, well... There's fewer sex workers because people are disappearing, so she could get a higher rate, like, three times as high. Damn. So she went back, and she met um, a sex worker by the name of Louise, who was 20 years old. Louise had, she was 20 years old. She had been studying to get her degree in public administration. Mm-hmm. And then her boyfriend, and I just feel like, and, and again, I want to tell this part of the story because I feel like this is, this could be anybody and this has kind of been not an obsession for me lately, but I've really, we've been talking about this a lot, like seeing people on Facebook that we went to school with and stuff that have drug addictions. And it's like, how did they end up with a drug addiction? And we didn't versus they did, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And just like, so it's just, I just try to figure out the stories, you know? And so I think that this is why this is resonating with me so much right now, you know, mm-hmm. just because I've been like Facebook stalking people, you know, being like, yeah. what's going on in their lives? And just to kind of, because it's a, for me, it's almost like a sociology experiment, just like learning, you know. Mm-hmm. But so when she meanwhile, was, you don't like blogs or anything. Yeah, but it's because I'm doing the digging. They're not telling me. <laughs> oh gosh! Because I'm an armchair detective. <laughs> so when she was 18, she was already doing like taking ecstasy and stuff like that. But her boyfriend kept like nagging her basically to try crack. Fuck. And so she did. And became addicted. So she dropped out of college. She ended up having a baby. Then she lost custody of the baby to the same boyfriend that got her hooked on the drugs. Oh, oh my God. He used that against her as a reason for her to not have her kid. And it's like, it's your fault that I'm on drugs, you know? Wow. So anyway, so then to get off of the crack, she started using heroin. Fuck. And then she... Is that like a common thing? Mm -hmm, I think so. It's not the first time I've heard it, so I think so. I have no idea. But anyway, so just like a long history with the with drugs and, you know, arrests and that sort of thing. And so she ended up being on the street with Donna. So then, around that time, Shelly Armitage, she's 31. She's known to everybody, what they called on the grid, that area. Okay. Donna knew her. She said that she was a super confident girl, that she wanted to become a model. and But she was last seen... On Rebecca Street, the night of April 26, 2010. And that they said, like, she, bless her heart, had been addicted to heroin since she was 16. And she was 31. Can you imagine the oh, life that gosh. she has lived? Like, can you just imagine the hardships? No, I in the, don't want to. That, wow. Yeah. But, like, okay, so Donna's quoted saying, like, a car would go past and she would she would say $30 for, like, full sex. And they'd go around the corner and Shelly would do it for 20 because she just was so desperate mm-hmm. for the money. And that Shelly, like most women on the grid, had a boyfriend that was completely reliant on her to 
make money for both of them for their drugs. And I feel like that's a Lifetime movie. Oh, I'm sure. With Zach Morris. Anyway, go ahead. Yes, and he had to become a sex Uh worker. I remember that movie. Yeah, Because it was like unheard of for a a male sex worker. Yes. And also, I think that was his first... Like, like serious role, mm-hmm. not Zach Morris. Man, Lifetime movies used to be the bomb. Mm-hmm. So when when Shelly went missing, her boyfriend again was so it, because of their I hate to say their lifestyle, but you know because she worked on the streets, and so there may be days that she was not coming home and all that. It took him a few days before he realized that she was missing, and so he finally called her family and was like, "Hey, you know, we hadn't seen her, so it had been about." A week before they were like, okay, she something's really wrong here. Mm-hmm. And they reported that she was missing. So now there's two women that have gone missing on the grid. So, so they're off the grid? Uh-huh. So about a month after th- those two women had gone missing, everything's kind of quiet. But then Shelly's best friend, Suzanne Blommers, Blommers, no idea. I'm so sorry that I don't know how to say that name. So, she was still on the streets. She's 36. Donna says that... Donna in the story, not you, Donna. Yeah. Says that Suzanne was an alcoholic that... Well, her quote is, she was a drunk and stumbling around. But she had a really hard history, too, like, from the sex worker trade, like, with being gang raped and just... just Gosh, I mean, awful things. These women are so fucking strong. The the amount, like, so, in the article, too, it talks about how after Donna had been, because remember I told you, like, mm-hmm. that car where those three guys were hiding, they, like, jumped her, yeah gang raped her, and it took her, you know, a month or more before she was able to go back on yeah. the streets. Because, I mean, she's traumatized. Well, in the article, it talks about how Suzanne, she was... Like, let me just read this quote that is from Donna talking about Suzanne after she was gang raped. She said, but Suzanne was so mad that she just slept it off like a hangover and went out again the next night covered in bruises. Oh, fuck. Can you imagine? No. Suzanne did not have like the, what you would think of as would be a typical upbringing from someone who ends up on the streets. Like she grew up, it sounds like pretty like middle class, maybe upper middle class. Okay. But she had started, like, weekends, going to raves, doing some ecstasy. And then in the 90s, those, what that, how the thing said, those weekend raves kind of started into week-long binges Mm. on crack and heroin. And so it just, she had been, like, this happily married 20-year-old that just, it just spiraled. And she ended up on the street. Mm, That's so sad. So she was last seen on Sunbridge Road in the early hours of May 22nd of 2010. And then, so now the police are, again, they had the failed attempt at figuring out who the Yorkshire Ripper were was. And so they're just a little more alert. Like, okay, we got three women missing now. Like, we really need to figure this out. Yeah. Well, then a major break happens. So what, okay. There's this guy named Peter Gee, and he was the home field court caretaker. And so he calls the police on one afternoon, freaking his freak, because he was reviewing footage from the private security cameras in the, like, 
apartment complex, basically. And he saw on the camera this woman running from apartment number 33, like hauling ass in the early hours of May 22nd. As she's running, a man comes out of the apartment, like tackles with her. They fight. And then he shoots her twice, point blank range, in the back of the head. Fuck. With a crossbow. Oh, shit. And then drags her back into his flat. Oh, shit. Then this motherfucker knows that he was being filmed on that camera, walks back out to the camera, holding his crossbow, like, at his chest, holds it high, and flips the camera off. Walks back to his flat. The fuck? A few hours after, he starts coming out of his flat with, like, a black bin full of bags. Wow. Like, all these different, like, a bunch of different bags. So this guy's like, what the fuck? Mm -hmm. Takes it to police. Well, they ended up identifying the woman as Suzanne, the last girl I told you about. Mm -hmm. And now they knew who he was, because Obvi, it's his apartment. It's Stephen Griffiths. And so, again, like I said, he lived there for, like, 15 years. They, like, okay, they know that he has all this history of violence. They know that he had, you know, sex workers come up all the time. So, they're like, okay, let's go search his apartment. Right. While they're in there, they find more video footage on his computer. And it had, like, pictures and video of a naked woman, like, tied up in his shower with the words, my sex slave, spray-painted on her back. Ew. And they identified that woman as Shelly. Oh. So now they're like, okay, like, we got we got some... How did he spray-paint that on her back? I, she must have been an extra-large pizza. <laughs> I mean, I was just thinking, um... And maybe it was, like, 10-point font. <laughs> like, shit, he's... Very precise. (laughs) Okay. So, there's not a whole lot known about exactly how he killed the women. I mean, except for the obvious, we saw him do it on camera. Right. What we do know is that he would roam the grid until he found some sex workers. He would take them back to his apartment. Again, we know that Suzanne was shot and stabbed, but we don't really know how he killed other victims but it's thought that he would more than likely use his crossbow after he would kill the victims he would put them in his bathtub and dismember them fuck he would cook some of their body parts (gasps) no to eat ew no and sometimes he would eat them raw ew that's fucking disgusting i I, I mean (laughs) That says it all. This guy did eat live rats, so... Allegedly. We don't know that for sure. That was somebody. Because you know people come out of the fucking woodworks and saying all kind of shit when shit like this happens. So they probably didn't. He probably cooked it. Well, he didn't cook. Carrie. I'm just saying. Ugh. Ugh. I know. And he, he kissed people afterwards. Do you kiss your mama with that mouth? That's all I could think of. So after he dismembered them and cannibalized what he wanted, he would take them like in plastic bags and dump them in a nearby lake. So we know for sure that he killed Susie, 
Shelly, and Suzanne. Suzanne's the one that we that was on the video. Okay. There are about six plus women that they think he may have murdered, but they're Damn. not they're not sure. So he ended up confessing. We they found Well Lord, I would hope so. I mean, good Lord. The police found eighty one fragments of Suzanne's <gasps> body. Oh my gosh. They only found Shelley's shoulders, some vertebra, and some connective tissues, but they never found any of Susie. Oh God. So he was sentenced, he in jail. Forever. Good. So, when I'm looking this up today, he, two days ago... Oh, my gosh. ...was shanked up into prison. Oh, fuck. He alive, but barely. No, I don't know about but barely. But he, he survived, but, like, legit, two days ago... Oh, my gosh. ...shanked. And apparently, he's attempted suicide, like, multiple times in prison, and he just is not doing well up in prison. Well, good. No, I know. I could not sleep if I was next to him. Being like, he ate raw people. Mm-hmm. He ate people. Yep. Like, what if he doesn't like the meals that they're serving? He has a fucking buffet. Oh, my God. No. So, he was, he kind of, like, coined the name himself, but he was given the name the Crossbow Cannibal. Oh. So, like I said, convicted because he pled guilty all three murders, he was sentenced to life in prison with whole life order, meaning, like, he won't be eligible for parole. So, one of his, like, what they think is a suicide attempt was he went on a two-month hunger strike. How? I don't fucking know. Because I don't fucking know. And he didn't have any, like, it wasn't, like, for something. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. it wasn't, like... Oh, we're being treated poorly, blah, blah, blah. No, like, he just did it. And so that's why they think it may have been a, like, a, 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 suicide, a suicide attempt. attempt. There's no way he did not eat for two months. Well, I don't, we also don't know if he had water. We don't know, you know, I don't know all the details to that. But two-month hunger strike. That's a lie. You know he snuck something. You know what that or are? he nibbled on somebody's fingers. Oh, God. Oh, God. Finger food, anybody? Better if they wash their fucking hands. No, that's just nasty. So, yeah. So, that is the story of Stephen Griffiths and the Bradford murders. Wow. A.K.A. the crossbow cannibal. He didn't want to eat them, but he had to because he liked that alliteration. (laughs) You know, I mean, it has to happen. Oh, my God. The shit you come up with. (laughs) Okay. Picture it. 1892, Denver, Colorado, super swanky mansion, located at 420 East 11th Avenue. This home was 12,000 square feet, shit, four floors, and an attached carriage house. Did it have an elevator? No. <laughs> it has stained glass windows and my favorite Turret rooms. Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, everybody needs a good turret room. Uh-huh. Just don't get a doll. Mm-mm. Okay. It also features a grand ballroom, nine bedrooms, nine bathrooms, a living room, a library, and a dining room. Jeez. But no kitchen. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> like, why don't they ever... Mm-hmm. I don't know. They never list that kind of shit, but... I guess because it's... 
like mandatory. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, they could have a hot plate. Who knows? So the guy who built it, you know, built it, they will come. His name is Thomas Croak. So he was a teacher from Wisconsin and he came to Denver and then he was like in the money because he made his fortune as a businessman. So according to legend, he built the house in 1892, like I said, entered it one time and was so scared he never went back in the place and sold it two years later. What? Mm -hmm. They said that he just went in and didn't like the feel of it Uh -uh. and turned around, never went back in. However, real estate records reveal that he lived in the house for six months and the real culprit for him leaving was more likely the crash of the silver market. Mm. However, his wife did pass away before the home's completion. So that left him a widow and a single parent. So his parents moved in to help him and his mom died there. So after his mom passed away, he later traded the house for some land that was owned by Thomas Patterson. Patterson, he was a U.S. Senator for Colorado, and he also was the owner of Rocky Mountain News, which Mm. is Colorado's first publication, well, newspaper. Mm -hmm. So he lived in the house with his wife, Catherine, and their two daughters, Mary and Margaret. They also had a son, James, but he died by suicide (gasps) in California before the family moved into the house. Then Mary, one of his daughters, died from chronic illness in quotations because they never specified. And they say that it could be something with the house that caused her to get sick. You know, that Mm -hmm. kind of like open-endedness. But she passed away in 1894, and then his wife passed away in 1902. Oh, God. So after that, he deeded the house to his daughter, Margaret, the only living child. Mm -hmm. Margaret and her husband, Richard C. Campbell. So he, Patterson, he lived in the house for 23 years until he died in July 1916. Then the Campbells continued to live in the mansion until 1924, and that would mean that they're the longest single family who lived in this house. Mm. They sold the house to Louise Realty Company. So then it switches a few hands and is like a dance hall and all kinds of little things. But this is where it gets a little Mm -hmm. more dark One of the tenants would be Dr. Archer Sudan, and he purchased and moved in in 1947, here my daddy was born. Mm -hmm. His wife, Talene, she was a nurse, and obviously she was moved in with him. They had a son, Archer Jr. He did not live in the mansion with them. He was old enough to, you know, not be there. And they say that they were happy and social and... You know, everything, but Tulene, she died by suicide in one of the bathrooms on the third floor. Oh, God. In 1950, using a powerful pesticide, cyanogas, cyano, Hmm. I'm sorry, I don't know. But they said that 
that creates cyanide when it's combined with moisture. Mm. And so it effectively suffocates anyone close enough to be exposed to the oh, gas. Oh, God. It's similar to the Cyclone B, which is a gas they used in the Holocaust <gasps> to gas people. So it's like mustard gas. Yeah. But it's made from cyanide. You know, like I mean, yeah. like rat poisoning, yeah. basically. Or I think it was actually ant killer or something. Oh, my God. Which is just so sad and so, like... I just never know any of this shit. Well, and how many people died before they figured that out? Right? You know, being like, oh, here's the ant poison. Oh, it's raining while you're using it. You're dead. Right? Or like, oh, I got it on me. Let me wash it off. And Mm then, uh, fuck. Anyway. Okay. So she did that. And it was rumored that the reason behind that was that she had a miscarriage Mm -hmm. with that rumor that... Is one of the tales is that they hear a woman like crying, looking for her lost baby. Oh God! And they all hear sounds of a crying baby when no one's in the house. And some people who have entered the house, they claim that when they get to the third floor on the stairs, is that like they can't breathe. They mm. feel like they're suffocating and kind of gasping. Oh, it said. Within one to three minutes, all the oxygen is gone when you use that. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a... It's fast. Fast. Shit. Yeah. So, supposedly, she had used a bathtub full of water. And then with the cyanide or that ant poisoning. What's strange to me is Dr. Sudan, he continued to live in the house until 1958... And he had a second wife that lived there, too. Well, I mean, people don't always... I mean, you didn't move out of your house when your mom died. Yeah. It wasn't suicide. Yeah. Like, I'm not bringing a second mama into the house. (laughs) 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 Come here, be my other mama. (laughs) Like, that's the only thing that's... Yeah. It's not like a natural death. Yeah, but it's also like this huge house. (laughs) Just don't go up to the third floor. I you know, mean, I mean, but you know what I mean? Like, you really could do it and not ever go up there. Yeah. But I'm sorry. I don't want to live like fucking the beast in Beauty and the Beast. True. So when him and his second wife moved out, AJ, you know, Archer Jr., mm-hmm. he moved in and he served as a landlord for his apartment, for the apartments. So his dad, like, kind of created apartments in the below areas oh, and stuff. Okay. Smart. Mm-hmm. So records show that it that was sold in October of nineteen seventy-two. In nineteen seventy-three, it was saved by Mary Ray and her husband, saved from demolition, and it but it was a historic landmark. All right. So then in the late seventies the building was renovated for office space. And here's when some dun-dun-dun happens. The construction workers would leave for the night, only to come back the next day, find all of their work undone. Uh-uh. Then they're like, okay, some homeless people, something, they are coming in, fucking with their shit. Mm-hmm. So they put up a fence around the building, and then, like, that didn't work. It was still happening. So they're like, okay, let's get a guard. Well, he quit after one night. Oh, no. Yeah. So then they're like, okay, let's get guard dogs. So they got two Doberman Pinchers. 
And this is very sad. Oh. But one of the dogs jumped from a window on the third (gasps) floor the first night and died. And then the second one, the next night, he was found in the basement in like a catatonic state. Oh, my God. And he never recovered, so they had to put him down. (gasps) Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. Right? Right? So... Eventually, the office spaces were constructed, but employees would hear typewriters and other office supplies being used when no one else was around. And a lot of people say this was Thomas Patterson because he worked in the newspaper Mm -hmm. and stuff. But so they held a seance there because, you know, as one does. I was about to say. To determine who's haunting. Because, you know, they're always honest right but they found out that a spirit of a little girl whose body was supposedly entombed in the cellar (gasps) was there okay so people are like i mean let's go check it out you know i mean if you hear this you're gonna Mm -hmm. like what do you do oh shit yeah we knew about that but we thought it was a joke yeah so they go to the basement it's dug up. <laughs> I was going to say excavated, but I don't know if that's right. Excavated, I excavated. think. Excavated. I okay. think so. See, who knows, up. though? <laughs> they had digged it up. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> but so they found a hidden chamber, but there was no body, but it was filled with sea sand. Sea sand? Yeah, like sand from... The sea? Well, from like, I feel like the beach. Like Okay, okay. You know what I mean? Like... Obviously, a different kind of sand. Okay. But, like, it didn't belong there. Yeah, I was going to say, they're in Colorado. Yeah. But other people said it was ash (gasps) there. So, I mean, I don't know. But, like, no body was found there. But why is this hidden chamber? You know what I mean? Like, it's just kind of... And that this person knew about it. Uh Uh-huh. You know? One person who owned the building in 1998... Which I feel like was a date in your story. Yeah, it was. I know it was. It was. Yeah. But they claimed to see ghosts and they witnessed household items move on their own. Then in 2004, this one guy said that he saw an apparition of a maid and they would go up and down the stairs, but only her upper body and torso would be visible and her legs like would seem to just disappear as she walked up thomas patterson he said to have been seen numerous times going from the courtyard between the mansion and the carriage house Mm -hmm. you know they said like it was an older man in period clothing yeah so it makes sense yeah that would be him yeah so while the building was served as an apartment building with aj Mm -hmm. the occupants on the lower floor would be like Doop, 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 doop. You know, I can't do your sound. Mm-hmm. But be like, look, someone's having a fucking party up there, <gasps> trying to sleep. What's going on? Yeah. And, like, people, or AJ, he'd go up there and no sound, you know. And so then they were like, um, okay, well, I hear it. Yeah. And it just, like, keeps going on until someone goes and checks and it's nothing there. There's also a story. This is the kind of ghost I need, okay? Uh Uh-oh. Catherine Patterson, the wife of Thomas, Mm -hmm. 
who am I? The fucking Handmaid's Tale? I was about to say. Um, <laughs> of Thomas. <laughs> but, so there was this pregnant lady, Dr. Douglas Eichler and his wife, Melody. Melody was pregnant, and they had lived there for 10 years. Or, I'm sorry, they lived in the mansion for 10 years. I don't know when this happened okay. in that time. So, Melody, she's pregnant and, like, about to pop. And so, she's laying in bed one night by herself. And she's, like, I mean, I mean, I get it. But, like, trying to roll over. But just was, like, oh, God. Like, hurting Mm -hmm. and everything. And she, like, reached out. And there was a hand. And she, like, pulled it. (gasps) And it helped her roll over. And when she faced, it was a woman in period clothing, and so she said it was Catherine Patterson that helped her. Holy crap. And I'm like, I need somebody? I mean, that's a life alert right there. I mean, what? Yeah. Like, first of all, would you have been like, like, did she think it was her husband? Like, how, like, you know what I mean? Or, like, just, it was in her sleep, maybe. Oh, maybe, yeah, yeah. But I feel like if... If I'm up at my house and something reaches out and helps me move over, I'm going to be like, holy fuck. Well, I'd be like, oh, thanks. Wait Wait a minute. (laughs) (laughs) That wasn't right. You're not supposed to be here. Right. The emojis with the eyes. Like, Or my new favorite, the eyebrow one. Yeah. (laughs) Rocky Mountain Paranormal Research Society or RMPRS. Easy for you to say. Mm -hmm. Every time I read that, I was rompers. That's Mm. what... (laughs) But he said that Bonner is the guy that is over it. He said that he, like, talked to different owners at the, like, uh-huh. period, whatever, different owners. And anyone who seemed to have contact with the mansion for a long period of time seemed to start to, like, lose it in Ooh. there. And he used Tolene Sudan, who died by suicide mm-hmm. as a example. Yeah. So rompers, <laughs> they also did a radio show in the mansion during one of the times that it was vacant. And so one they're like, all right, we're gonna sleep here. So like y'all pick a place. And one of the sound engineers, Casey Lamb, he stayed in the basement and he, like, came back upstairs immediately, and he was like, there's a fucking man standing in a corner. Uh-uh. He said that he really couldn't see a body, but he could see a face. Uh-uh. And so they searched the mansion, couldn't find anything, but that place in the basement where he saw the man is the same place Mm-mm. where the catatonic dog was found. <gasps> And it's in the same corner that the Eichler's daughters had previously claimed that a man would be standing by their toys all the time. Nope, 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 fucking nope. I thought you were going to say that that was where the secret room with all the ash slash sand was. No, I mean, probably. Oh my God, nope. Mm Mm-hmm. I never want to see anything like that. Like, Like, there's a piece of me that's like, I want to see something because it's like, I kind of want to. Mm Mm-hmm. But then there's... The larger self that's like, fuck no. Yeah, like, what would I do? I, no, I don't, I, I would, I would die. <laughs> well, I definitely know that I don't want to see anything in my house. Oh, fuck no. But if I'm like, okay, I'm going to ghost hunt mm-hmm. and with a group. If I know, mm-hmm. like, okay, 
Carrie's here. Someone else is here with me mm-hmm. that I can hopefully run to. I mean, something. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. It would be easier than me being like, okay, I'm going to go spend the night by myself yeah. in this haunted place. And then I see it. No. Then I'm like, done for. Someone gets my spooky town. Uh-uh. Dibs. And <laughs> there's no fucking splitting up. No. There's no, you go down in the basement and sleep, uh-uh. and I'll go up to this murder room and sleep. Because no, one, we're we Shaggy together. and Scooby, and yes. like, we got to stay together. Yes. And we definitely got to have Scooby snacks. <laughs> yeah, we got to have all the lasagna, or whatever. Was that what they eat? Uh, that was, was like Garfield. Garfield. I swear they ate lasagna, too. They ate everything. Pizza, they ate everything. Yeah, they ate everything. As do we. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, the house remained vacant for a while, and now its most current owner, Brian Higgins, he purchased the building, and he turned it into a bed and breakfast. So, you can stay there. Mm -mm. If we stay there, we're staying there together. Not in that fucking basement, we're not. But we definitely have to have a king-size bed. Uh, Two separate queens. True. Actually, you always have the best ideas. (laughs) Don't touch me. (laughs) And also, you sleep with way too much fucking cover. I mean, you're not wrong. (laughs) So, I found kind of like an interview, I guess, by this lady, Anne Alexander Leggett, and her daughter. They wrote a book called A Haunted History of Denver's Croak Patterson Mansion. So, they did, like, lots of research on it, and they, like, listed out a few of the, like, spookiest or not spookiest, but, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. spooky shit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, so they say, number one, there's a caretaker in the carriage house. So they say the carriage house has a completely different energy than the main house. The mom and daughter, they had a psychic named Krista, and she was, like, having a conversation with people that they couldn't hear, and what she said is that there's a spirit in the carriage house, and it's of an Irish caretaker, and both of the Pattersons and the Croaks were of Irish descent, so it, you know, could be one of them, or, you know, like, anyone else, but (laughs) whatever. Krista said that the ghost was immediately put off by them being there and basically was like, what are you doing here? And Krista explained, like, they're writing a book and I'm here to, like, try to see what I can feel, blah, blah, blah. So then the woman, the ghost, was like, okay, if she's ever afraid in the main house, just tell her to come in here and she'll be safe. And then when... They were leaving. She said, tell her we want her to write the whole story. She has to tell the whole story. What the hell? Right? And one, I'm like, uh, I'd just be up in the carriage house, be like, I'm safe here. Okay. And what drives me nuts is that, like, just tell me the whole story then. Don't be coy. Don't make me go in there to the creepy main house. It's going to scare me. And I have to come in here and be safe. Just fucking tell me the story. Be like, okay, here's a Starbucks coffee. Mm-hmm. Let's do this. Here's the popcorn. Cheese, yeah, cheese Danish. Mm-hmm. I mean, gotta have that. Mm-hmm. All about the carbs. 
Also, they have, they mentioned the ghost of Kate Patterson about helping the pregnant lady, Melody. Mm -hmm. And they said that when she rolled over and, you know, saw the lady and was like, (gasps) and she, the apparition said, my name is Kate. Mm. So that's even more confirmation that it was Catherine Patterson. They say that Melody, the pregnant lady, her husband had an office on the third floor, which third floor is where, like, all the shit had happened. You know, like, the suicide, the dogs, everything. I know. Can't even talk about the dogs anymore. So he had a desk between, like, two little closets And then they had a couch on the right-hand side. And he always had his drawers locked. Because, you know, he probably been doing something Mm -hmm. dirty. But she said that you can sit on the couch and you could watch the drawers just open and close by themselves. And, like, if they're open, you know, like, you would go over there and it'd be locked. Damn. Yeah. They also found that there's a woman who had lived there with triplets And so she had a friend who brought in a priest and he was going to bless the house, you know, like exercise the demons. Mm -hmm. And he walked in, immediately went to the front parlor and was saying his blessing. And then all of a sudden the plaster starts to peel off from where like the fireplace was. And then this like dark vortex of wind comes out from the fireplace. Priest was like, deuces. I'm like, uh, one, Skirt, you are supposed to, like, be able to withstand that and keep saying your prayer. But, I mean. He was like, you own your fucking own. He Bye. has a different calling. Mm-hmm. The door. <laughs> Fuck. Chris just said that when she went into the house the first time, like, she was bombarded with voices So, like, they went in, had a tape recorder in their hands, and this is her daughter, Jordan, talking. And she said that two days ago, I finally got the tape, and from what I can hear, it's some of the craziest stuff ever. Krista will pick up something and say, oh, I'm getting a woman named Rosemary. Rosemary. Something Marie. Mary? You know, I don't know. And then you hear a pause, and there's a whisper that's like, Rose. Damn. You know, like... Oh, my God. Could you imagine? No. Like, Rose from Titanic. No, I'm just kidding. Sorry. I had to bring it back there. Mm-hmm. When Anne was researching, she Googled Croak Patterson, which is what this is called mm-hmm. because, you know, Croak Patterson. In, in some things now, it's called Croak Patterson Campbell because of all the mm-hmm. major players that live yeah. there. But whatever. She got to this lady's blog because she, like me, likes blogs. Nah. <laughs> and <kidding>. sort of. <laughs> she said that she had an office there in the late 80s when there were different office spaces. Mm-hmm. And this is, you know, when the typewriters, copiers, all of that would make the noise sound like there's a lot of commotion upstairs, all of that. And so she just kind of had taught, like, briefly described some stuff. Of the strange happenings there. So she found her email and was like, would you be willing to talk to me about it? She didn't answer for like a long time. Finally came back and was like, why? That's it. So Anne was like, 
I, you know, like I'm researching this, I'm going to write a book, blah, blah, blah. And she doesn't respond for a while. And so she emails her back, like, hey, just checking in. Like, this is a good account, you know, that we can have. She gets another, like, a response and just says, good luck with the book. Damn. It's like she couldn't go back there. Yeah. You know, couldn't open that up. She said that she did answer one question initially. And she said, did you ever feel like you were physically unsafe in the house? And the lady said, I never felt physically unsafe, but I feared for my soul. Shit. So in the early 70s, you know, they were going to tear it down. Then Mary Ray is who I talked about. She saved the house and bought it. Mm Mm-hmm. So, it had tenants in it because it was an apartment building at the time. But she could not keep the people there. They would bail in the middle of the night. Like, oh, shit. Like, not even a do 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 I'm going to leave. Yeah. Like, gone. They said because of, like, baby crying, lots of noises. She had a young couple living down the, on the main floor in one of the units. And she gets a call on Sunday afternoon. And they have a baby. And he's like... You need to come over now. And so she goes. He opens the door. And the place is, like, completely turned upside down. Like, everything's in fucking shambles. And so they have a big fireplace. And it has a huge wood and brass insert in it. So, I mean, just wood and brass means extra fucking heavy. Mm -hmm. And it's, like, not there anymore. Oh, Because shit. they were sitting in the apartment, and all of a sudden, the insert blew out from inside of it from, like, a huge force of wind, and it's, like, a 75-pound thing yeah. at least, you know? So it's just, like, that huge wind that also happened from a fireplace with the priest who was doing the right. uh, blessing. So that's twice that has come up. They did mention about the baby in the basement. Like, that was supposedly buried down there. And they said that they've had psychics come in. And they have reported that they feel like a child was lost down there. Or they hear, like, a weeping mother down there. And get a child presence. So, I mean, it is kind of... These people might not know what's... Yeah. You know, not, they don't know the story, because again, that's not like a wild, like a widely known thing. Right. And so it's just kind of like a connection with that. At the top of the stairs to the third floor, they say you can get up about two thirds of the way there and all of the oxygen feels like it's gone. When they were like walking through with Krista, the psychic, Mm -hmm. on the tape recorder, you can hear. Anne and Krista, like, both gasping for air up at the top of the stairs. And, again, that is where Tulene... Right. The cyanide stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And they said that Krista, when she was gasping, she said a woman up here suffocated and, like, could not breathe. This is how she died. And they didn't know that until months later when they were actually, like, looking through microfiche, and they actually found a death certificate, which is which was rare, they said, from mm. finding it back then. And it was about that. So, like, 
That was confirmed later. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, one more thing. Found a podcast, and it's called At the Fire. And, because I couldn't find a whole lot of information. I mean, I I feel like this is a pretty good amount of information, but, like, usually I have it from, like, a lot of different sources. Right. And this time it wasn't. But I found this podcast, and... This guy named Jack, he called in and told about his experience with the house. And so when he was in college, he was going to shoot a documentary for a class. But they said that they could do a mockumentary. So him and his friend were like, let's do it. Let's make fun of ghost hunters. Mm-hmm. Because. Hello. Yes. And they were like, we're going to do it. Like, really, where you can see, like, the string pulling the door mm-hmm. open. and You know, like, really goofy. He's, like, way easy to make fun of. And two, I actually like paranormal shit, so. Yeah. You know. So, let's do it in a real haunted house. Be authentic oh, of that. But then, you know, be fake everything else. Went into the Google and was, like, haunted house in Denver, because that's where he is. Mm-hmm. Found Croak Mansion, and it's only two blocks away from his school. So Damn. he was like, all right, let's just go. Save money on a cab. Mm-hmm. Let's just go see what they'll let us do. You know, the owner was like, sure. And it's a mom with triplets. Remember, that mm-hmm. was earlier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she's like... Yeah, come on in. Which he was like, er, we look like degenerate college kids. Right. Two males, like, we're, you know, he's like, but I guess because we had equipment that she was like, okay. Yeah. You know, but I mean. Surely they're who they say they are. Yeah. Yeah. And so she's like, yeah, come on in. So she didn't go all the way up to the third floor. Because she's smart. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, like, she told him about the Doberman Pinchers, R.I.P., And he said there was a crack in the window, and it was, like, just a full crack where you can see that they had tried, like, they repaired it Mm -hmm. enough of that. But that is where the dog supposedly (gasps) went through. Uh -uh. I know. I know. Mm -mm. Also, he said when he was up on the third floor, it was really hard for him to breathe, and he felt, like, super heavy on his chest. And she's like, okay, y'all can have your equipment, but... They will drain your batteries. And they're like, okay. You know, like, Mm -hmm. sure, we hear it all the time. And he actually had to have his equipment plugged in to a power source. Because if they unplugged it, it would just be like, no. Wow. I can't do a thing. I suck at do it. What? Like. Yeah, that's it. Do it again. Mm-hmm, I wonder perfect. if the how high the electricity bill is there. Remember how that one story you told where his electricity bill was really, really mm-hmm. high? I wonder if it's like that there. I don't know. Probably not everything gets turned off. Um, <laughs> True. But he said even their phones would, like, it was off. So they used walkie-talkies. However, it was a lot of in- interference mm-hmm. between the walkie-talkies. He said the lights would flicker. Just everything was like... Okay, this ain't right, you know. So they flipped a coin, and he got the basement, and his friend got the third floor. Because those seemed to be, like, the two main Mm -hmm. places. They both heard a rubber ball bouncing, and he said that 
Jack, the guy, he said that he had night vision on Mm -hmm. and he saw what looked to be like a young girl bouncing the ball and his friend was in a room but heard the ball like in the hallway. Oh, wow. So he didn't see the girl. And he said like, he was like, okay, super freaked out down there and he was trying to leave the basement but it was kind of like a maze and so then he hears this loud music upstairs and it sounds like people are dancing and he's like it's like old-timey swing music not like bumping music you know he that helps him solve the maze to get out from all the crap because he's like going towards the music Mm -hmm. he runs up the stairs to see like what the fuck is this mom doing with the triplets because they bout about it. Because, um, I mean, she's just leaving them in the house while they're in the house. Like, yeah. She's like, we about to go to bed. Y'all do whatever y'all need to do. Damn. I mean, this lady needs to listen to our podcast. I'm just saying. But so he gets up the stairs. Nothing's there. No one is, you know, dancing. No one has music on. Everything is quiet as a mouse. That's not being ate by your guy. Ooh. <laughs> So his friend was like, over, over, coming down. He's like, you're never going to believe what I had. Rubber ball was bouncing. And every time he would look away, these stuffed animals seemed to change positions a little bit. Mm-mm. And they would just be in a slightly different position each time. They lasted until 5 a.m., but a lot of their equipment was defective. And so... It was on, like, they would have it recording a room, but when they would look at it, when they went to get it, it was just a blank screen. Man. So, his roommate had a brand new MacBook, like, had just bought it a few days before, and he's like, hey, will you let me work on this? Because it was, like, all the rage, you know? And he's like, I could do garage band, be, you know, (laughs) doing this. So, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Put the stuff... And his screen went solid red, and his computer crashed. And he was like, what the fuck? And was freaking out. You know, got it back, but they cannot get that stuff to work. Like, they can't pull it up to see what they captured. Wow. Mm Mm-hmm. So, I just thought that was, like, a very interesting thing where they were going to do a mockumentary and ended up, ended up, winded up, they couldn't even do their fucking... Real shit, because yeah. it's, you know, fucked up. But, ugh, so creepy. Oh, my gosh. So, that is the mansion in Denver. So, I know we got some peeps up in there. Have y'all went, do you know, the Muffin Man? No, um, because this place is beautiful, but definitely looks haunted. Mm-mm. No, thank you. Yeah. Y'all can keep that shit up in Denver. All right, what did we learn? Number one, one thing I've learned, like, for real, for real learned, like, eyes opened, is about the CCTV that Mm -hmm. we think, my dad always says it, like, the more with technology, like, you think it's doing great, it's like, there's always a shady side Mm -hmm. to it, and there's always an underbelly Mm -hmm. where people lose jobs, blah, 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 and that's so true. I didn't even think about that, that 
that puts them into an unsafe territory Mm -hmm. that's more secluded, more shady. Yep. You know, and so it protects the citizens, you know, like, quote unquote. Right. And so we live oblivious and we're like, this is great. Mm -hmm. However, it's making an underbelly that is so dangerous that, you know, I mean, God, you listed 25,000 different things that happened that were... Like, basically on one street, too. Yeah. That were, like, bad, terrible. So that is definitely something I learned. Always two sides to a coin, and I definitely need to see both. Mm-hmm. That's very insightful of you. Thank you. Also, ghosts can be helpful. If you got a big belly and you can't turn over, they will always have a helping hand and just pull you over that, to the other side. That almost sounded like a, like a nursery rhyme. If you've got a big belly and you can't turn over. <laughs> oh, no. You know what it sounded like? Oh, shit. What? Diarrhea. <laughs> you remember that? What was that Yes, saying? yes, If you yes. got a... Oh, fuck. Oh, God. How'd it go? If you got a... Diarrhea. 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 If you got a... If you feel the, like, brown coming... Oh, what is it? Oh, well. All I can think about is that creepy man standing in the corner. And he can stay at that damn house. Mm-hmm. I don't want... Your lie. <laughs> I don't want to see you, creepy man. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Unless you're single and looking to mingle. And if you're going to... Look, if you're going to be creepy, you better be fucking rich. Or you got a big ghost stick. I mean... But you know what? There's If there's one thing we learned from the lady that married the 400-year-old <laughs> pirate, <laughs> it doesn't last. No, it doesn't. They fucking ghost your ass. Literally. <laughs> well, you know what? If you've ever been with a ghost, we need to hear about it. Oh, my God. Send us all the stories. Like, give us all the dirty deeds that you did in the sheets. With your man under a sheet. Because he's a ghost. <laughs> he's a ghost. <laughs> Terrible joke. Terrible, Terrible joke. Terrible. It was worth it. You Look, I had to. I mean, you got the whole visual visualization. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Y'all don't forget, send us those sinister sightings. Send us your ghost dick. Send us... <laughs> no, don't, we don't, send we don't, da, da, don't da, need da, to see the ghost da, dick. Da, da, don't, don't, send us, don't send us ghost dicks. <laughs> send us your stories about ghost dicks. <laughs> yes. Send us any true crime stuff you have, any Local paranormal news. stuff. Absolutely. Urban legends, that kind of thing. And don't forget to subscribe and review. Review. Reviews are important. They help us out a ton. And if you want to be like Lexi... Join the Creepinati. Go to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. And remember, creep it real and don't get scared. scared.